Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Good afternoon to everybody. It's great to see uh, uh, just all of the folks that didn't go away for Labor Day. That's fantastic. But uh, great songs. I, those just some of my favorite songs that we sang today. I really love those. And um, we're going to be taking our communion uh, after the lesson today. Uh, but I would like for us to begin preparing our minds and our hearts for that. Uh, and so I wanted to share this. Uh, as we get started here in Isaiah 61, because remember one of the one of the things that we're told to do uh, when it came when it comes to celebrating a communion service each week is to remember Jesus, remember the King, um, his death, burial, and his resurrection. And Isaiah 61 is such a just amazingly encouraging section of Scripture here because we get an idea of who is it that we're that we're worshiping. Who is this king? Why is this such good news? We talk about the gospel in Isaiah 61, verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothing instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord God uh, to glorify him. And this is actually a section of scripture that Jesus he pulled out on his own and began um, one of the, some of the beginning teachings of his ministry was right here from Isaiah 61 as he announced his own uh, his own entrance into this whole story of the gospel. And in fact, in Luke chapter four, after Jesus read this, he said, "This is fulfilled amongst you today." So this was Jesus coming in and saying, "This is this is this is him." Who we're talking about here. And so, um, again, just taking a moment to have our minds wrapped around that, okay? Because, again, we're going to be picking up where we've left off as we're talking about the gospel, particularly the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, so let's take a second and pray, and then we're going to go jump into our lesson, okay? So let's pray. Father, uh, thank you uh, for uh, being the perfect king. Uh, thank you that, uh, God, you are nothing like uh, all of the kings and leaders we see in our world today. Uh, thank you for being the perfect priest and the perfect prophet, the perfect king, Father. Thanks that your kingdom is available today through you. Thank you for that. Thanks that 
God, you call us to you still today. Thank you that, um, Father, it isn't a matter of um, who's going to perform the best. I'm so grateful for that, Father, but you're calling us to trust you. And I pray that you point out all of the areas that, God, we need to hear your voice. Father, please soften our hearts. Uh, please, God, we ask for your encouragement in those areas that, that you know we just feel defeated in, Father. And we ask for a, a challenge in those areas that we're being apathetic, perhaps, in. And God, thank you for your word. I pray that you give us attentive hearts, eyes to see, and ears to hear your message. We pray in your name. Amen. Um, so, we, we've been in Mark chapter 1. You can go ahead and turn right back to that chapter right here. We've begun this peculiar teaching session right here. What on earth did he mean by that? Okay, and the challenge for us is there's a lot of religious words we hear, and there's a lot of a lot of Bible words that we've maybe heard our whole life. And there's a difference between hearing them, there's a difference with agreeing with them. There's a difference in trusting them. There's a difference in acting on them. There's a difference in being able to articulate what God and what Jesus, what he's teaching to us. And so this starting place is this. What did he mean? And, and I hope after a few weeks, um, you've been taking this and you can articulate. What did he mean when he talked about the gospel? Right? If there's any word that's been overused over the centuries and misused and and reformed and uh, you know all of these things it's this word right here and as we said before i would imagine if we were all to go out into our you know this coming week if we were to go out and ask our friends and our neighbors and co-workers and all these folks say what is the gospel and almost certainly what we would hear are a couple of different things. Maybe, and I don't know, but most likely the gospel in our world today is simply turned into some information about Jesus. And it tends to be a very individualistic message. So oftentimes the way it's articulated in churches is, you know, that God sent his one and only son to die and to live and to die on the cross and to be raised again for our sins and for the sins of the world. And, and that's fantastic. There isn't anything wrong with that. That is beautiful news. It's, a, it's an amazing portion of this entire message. But very rarely would somebody, when asked the question, what does it mean? What is this thing, the gospel? that we would say, oh, that's the announcement of the king. That's the good news is Jesus is king and he's, he's the king of this kingdom. But very rarely would we go, oh man, he's announcing this. He's announcing that he's the king and the kingdom is available to Jews and Gentiles alike, right? And that's, that's the basic starting point. So we're digging into this. And um, we've been in Mark chapter 1. Uh, we talked about uh, 
Jesus' uh, first teachings on this. So Mark chapter 1, verse 14. I'll just kind of go through this. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the gospel of God. If we've read this so often, I hope that there's plenty of like either notes in your phone or in your notebook or this is underlined or something of going, wow, John the Baptist was arrested. Jesus went to Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And then we see quotation marks here of Jesus speaking. The time is fulfilled. Okay, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. He's saying the time is here. Like everything that everyone has talked about, man, it is fulfilled in this moment right here. And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. This is where we've been. And if you're if you haven't uh, been with us the whole time or you need a refresher, you can go back and listen to those. Those lessons are online. Uh, But it's interesting because as he continues to speak here in verse 16, it says, as he was passing along this along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. And they left their nets immediately and followed him. So. Again, what are we beginning like as we kind of take the baby steps of being able to share and learn and embody this narrative of the gospel? We have Jesus saying the time is fulfilled. The gospel of God, like repent and believe this gospel. And as then he goes along and he sees Simon and Andrew and he says, follow me. If it's weird, if you're thinking, I don't want to be a fisher of people. Okay. Maybe you don't like fishing. Maybe you look at that and you go, I don't want to touch fish. I don't like fish. Okay, this is just, this is the methodology that Jesus used to speak to people who were fishermen. Okay, this isn't what the Christian, you know, we don't have to go just and tell everyone that you're going to be fishing for people. Okay, can you imagine like to a fisherman, they're going, that's awesome. Right. right. But I think that if Jesus were to talk to different professions, he would have an equally awesome way of putting these this terminology here, okay? But he says this. He says, follow me. Right? This is something really valuable to be thinking through, okay? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Why? I will teach you. This is Jesus. This is just paraphrasing from his teaching. I will teach you and show you how to live a kingdom life. Right? So, so if we're going to like go out, well, what does he mean by that? Like, follow me. This is, this is what this means. I, I will teach you how to do that. How to live this life. You're going to see enemies and worry, and priorities, and retaliation, and sexuality, and money, and things in a kingdom way. Right, so before we even go that far, and, and if you're wondering where I got all of those, that, that's simply just doing a quick overview of his own Sermon on the Mount. This was like his basic teachings on this, on kingdom life, okay? And so again, we're meant to go, hold on a minute, if I'm following him, 
And he's going to teach me kingdom ways of thinking about these things. Then he gives us some things to begin thinking about. Like, how do I think about enemies? Do I? I hate enemies. Most of us hate enemies. Right? What do I think about retaliation? Because Jesus, man, he walks all over that. What do I think about things, materialism, money, all of these things? And he says, here's the great thing is that I'm going to change you. I'm going to change you into someone who can do the good works that I'm doing. Right? Remember last week we finished up, and it was that idea of, man, he's prepared ahead of time the good works for us to be doing. And as we spoke last week, oftentimes that idea of good works becomes very subjective for each and every person. Like, it's very easy for us to define what good works are. And so usually, if you guys are like me, and we're all like kind of like each other, we tend to define the good works that Jesus has kind of set forth as things that we enjoy doing, or we're good at, or are most convenient for us. Except, he's telling a story of the good works prepared ahead of time that have to do with the kingdom of God, and have to do with the availability we're following a king that's saying, I'm here to make this kingdom available. Like, why would I have you go and do good works that have nothing to do with this? Okay? And so it's this idea, I'll change you into something. I will transform you. So here's the question. Is that something that we absolutely believe to be true? Right? Have you ever felt like, I, I, I can't do that? That, that's not my personality type. That's not my strength. That's not my thing. Maybe some people are teachers, and this person is this, and this person is that. But I can't do that. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I would imagine all of us have been guilty at some point. Right. Like, you can't expect me to do this. You can't expect me to be this way. You can't expect it. But isn't it really amazing that Jesus is saying, no, no, here's the deal. It's not a matter of us changing ourselves. He's saying, no, I'll actually transform you. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. Right? It's this transformative thing. He's saying, I'll make you into that. The thing that you may never have thought you could do. The thing that you, and can you imagine, when is God more glorified? Then when, right, when, when, when things happen, that people go, that shouldn't happen that way. Right. right? We oftentimes think the opposite is he gave me all of these, like all of us, we have different strengths and different qualities that we're really good at, we're natural at. And we think that's how God's going to use us. So, well, of course he will. Of course he's not going to like just leave that off to the side. But here's the interesting thing. There isn't anything that special about doing like really well at the things we're good at. Like all of our coworkers, we do that every day. There's nothing super special about that. Go, man, you know what the best thing about Jesus is? is you know, could you imagine going and sharing this with somebody? Is he made me to be somebody that I was really, really good at self-discipline. And man, you don't know what? I'm still really good at that. That's my thing. Why do you need Jesus for that? Like, what did you need Jesus for? And I think we forget that he's calling us to come to him going, no, we need you to be the king and to show us and to transform us, right? And, and I understand that there's different arguments to be made, different philosophies. We go, no, but what you want to work on is like, hey, work on your strengths, 
because that's going to be more encouraging. Except my experience is, is my weaknesses become more encouraging when I see the transformation of Jesus through the weakness. That becomes more encouraging to me. It's not, it isn't discouraging. It becomes discouraging when I stop believing Jesus transforms people. Wow. That, that's when it just is discouraging because I'm like, oh, you know what I'm doing, man? I'm not that good at like liking people. I'm not that good at listening. I'm not that good at self-control. I'm not that good. I'm not. And, and go, yeah, that's very discouraging. And it should be discouraging. It's supposed to be discouraging unless there's a king that's saying, no, I'm going to come live inside of you and transform you into something that you would go, what on earth has happened to me? And again, we're not talking about a personality change. We're talking about the substantive nature of who we are. Right? right? And so this is the interesting thing. I will change you, okay? Um, here, here's the thing, though. But I think that we maybe made, um, maybe we've made a subtle adjustment to Mark 1, 16 through 18. And I'll go ahead and read that for us, okay? Maybe this is a version of the Bible you have, right? As he went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Say a prayer that you believe in me, and give your heart to me. Agree that I'm king, and I will give you your heart's desires. They listened. They said a magic prayer and kept fishing, filled with joy that one day they were going to heaven. Not much change in life, but no one's perfect. They thought to themselves, following Jesus is great. Let's go tell others they can keep living the same way if they want, but at least they won't go to hell. Wow. <laughs> Do you have that version? But what's amazing is, is this might be the most memorized verse in our entire world. <laughs> and it's not even in the Bible. You go, wow. I mean, listen, whether you're listening or you're here, you may have gone, that's the, my version. Wow. Okay? That's the version from the non-discipleship Bible. Okay? And if you're looking it up on Amazon right now, it doesn't exist. Okay? <laughs> it might be. It, maybe it's there. But anyway. I, so, so, you know, that, that's the thing is, is, is there's this wonderful news of, hey, come and and I'll teach you and transform you and weaknesses will be strengths, but I'm asking you to change the way you think about everything that you see in the world. And, and according to that, that, that thinking, right, is to behave and act differently. And then, like I said, is uh, this somehow has become our gospel today. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well. Sadly enough, I, I don't know if any of that, and I, you know, so much of that, I know it's tongue in cheek and all those things, except it's not far off that we've been introduced to a kingdom to say, hey, come and, come and agree with this king. But understand something faith and agreement are not the same thing. Okay? And, and this is one of those things, okay? And, and, and I'm, I'm bringing this back right to our home right here, okay? Um, okay, what, if you've been here long enough, if you visited long enough, if you know that, you know we're not having a, an altar call where somebody comes forward and, we, and you accept Jesus. Like, that's not right. But, right, and, and this could sting just a little bit. Um, we can have a version of that, which is agree that baptism will save you and go get in the water. 
And if you agree with it, then it's going to change your life. So, no. That's not accurate. There's nothing accurate about that. It's, you can introduce your conversion experience that your church has always taught, and you can go, just agree with that thing and do it. Except we're not talking about agreement. We're talking about faith. We're talking about trust. We're talking about these things here. Okay? And we're not just talking about not going to hell. The non-discipleship gospel is, is the idea of, hey, the best thing could happen is to have your sins forgiven so you don't go to hell. Okay? The opposite, the, the, the Bible of Jesus' teachings would say, no, see, your sins have to be forgiven. You have to be washed away for something even greater so my spirit can come and live inside of you. There's something greater than that. Then, then, hey, it's just, I'm clean now. He said, no, no, no. I've got to have you clean so I can live inside of you because that's how you're going to be transformed, okay? So here's the interesting thing. Could you imagine how frustrating and difficult and painful it would be to try to be transformed without the very thing that God says, I'm going to put in you to transform you? All right, so we have, again, and we're going to connect that dot here in a second, but follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, right? Now, here's the interesting thing. We're going, well, let's, let's talk about this for a second, okay? John chapter 3. Go ahead and turn over to John chapter 3. Again, you know, the greatest hits of all Christianity right here, John chapter 3. Except maybe, just maybe, we're not going to make it all the way through the chapter. But we are going to meet a guy named Nicodemus. And it's really fascinating, Nicodemus' interactions with Jesus, okay? Because, strangely enough, Jesus has a conversation with him about the kingdom. It's amazing, the more... Our, our lens begins to like get dialed in how often you see Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God, how often you see kingdom like, like writing and kingdom topics and all these things. John chapter 3, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. And Jesus said, well, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> okay, listen, top 10 verses right here of things we go past, and we are not absolutely baffled at what he just said. Right, right. Well, we're just like, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. I know what that means. Although Nicodemus, man, he didn't get it, okay? But how can anyone be born when he's old? That's what we should be asking. All right? And he's going, well, how can you do that? How I get it. Nicodemus said, can, can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Pretty reasonable question. When Jesus said, no, no, you have to be born again. You have, like, this kingdom is available, but you have to be born again to enter this kingdom. But how can anyone be born? And you said, I assure you in verse 5, unless someone's born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. If you're born of the flesh, what's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the Spirit is spirit. 
So here, here's the fascinating thing, is reading this, depending on the filter we enter into this, we can begin a process of trying, how can I make this not say what is clearly said? Right. Like, how far are we willing to go to make this not say what Jesus is teaching? Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. If you've been born of the flesh, it's flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit, don't be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. Okay, here's one. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from, where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Give that a minute to sink in. All right? L listen, when you go outside this afternoon, when you go outside, start listening and paying attention to the wind and find out where it came from and where it's going. I mean, th this is great. I love Jesus' teachings here because you're like, this guy is awesome. Yeah. I mean, his teaching is blowing my mind here, okay? But he's saying, this is what has to happen. You have to be born again. And, and if, if that means... That born again just means like, hey, accepting him, praying for acceptance. If that's just purely symbolic, that's a really hard case to be made in the scripture. All right? So turn over to Acts chapter 2 because we get an idea here, okay? Look on over. This is Jesus. Jesus, uh, prior to this, had died and rose from the dead in Acts chapter 2, uh, about six weeks earlier than this particular uh, sermon was given. So Acts chapter 2, While you hold your finger right there, you may be able to see Acts chapter 1 in the Bible. Maybe like right over there. And, and here's the interesting thing. It, 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 right in verse 1, um, I wrote the first narrative. Uh, the Luke is writing this. I wrote this first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. And after he had given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen after he had suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Right? Could you imagine a 40-day course by Jesus on his kingdom? Right? Could, could you imagine all the different things that Jesus could have spoke on? All the different lessons, all of the different practicalities. And he's like, no, listen, here's the deal. Guys, if you haven't figured it out already, he said, I'm already, I've risen from the dead. I'm back here and I want to teach more about the kingdom. And then you have Pentecost come along and Peter begins preaching this sermon. Okay. And we see over in this, this crescendo of the sermon, verse 36, Peter says, therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Right? He, he has been made king. Supreme authority. That this Jesus whom you crucified, he's made him that, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. Verse 37. What did they do after that? Okay? And this is really an important aspect. When they heard this, 
They came under deep conviction. So they, they heard this message, and the entirety of the message was Jesus is king, Jesus is king, Jesus is king, the kingdom is available, okay? They came under deep conviction, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brother, what, what must we do? What do we need to do? All right, what they didn't say here, well, let, let's read what they did say. Hmm. Repent. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Is there a familiarity to that lesson, okay? Is listen, you have these, you have John the Baptist coming along and he's like, hey, repent. Right? The, the way we're viewing the world gotta change, okay? The way we interact with the world has to change. Repent and be baptized, okay? Just be, be immersed in water. Each of you. In the name of Jesus, because you can be immersed. If you take a bath today, you could be immersed in water. Right. But that's not that's not going to save you. That's, right. that's not going to wash your sins away. You could go home and say, I'm going to baptize myself in the tub, okay? And that could be totally a worldly thing. He said, no, no, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Okay? He's like, this is it. Each of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And so you have this idea of you're, you're being washed and filled. <clears throat> uh, this, is, this is amazing. I mean, you can't make these things up. This is incredible. For the forgiveness of your sins, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How many is that, by the way? <laughs> right? We get weird with that too. Oh, just the ones he calls. Like there's five of us that he calls, and that's it. He doesn't like anyone else. Right? All that he calls, yeah. All that he calls. Like everyone. This is for everybody. Okay? But it's this idea of well, hold on, man. How, how unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom. Why didn't Peter just say that? Hey, so what should we do? He actually did say that. You realize that, right? Yeah. Is Well, what should we do? Repent and be baptized. But Jesus said, be born again of spirit and water. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Okay? And again, here's the thing is, is I've found that following Jesus is so much simpler when I stop trying to fight with him over what he means. Mm, right. Okay? And believe me, there's every argument in the world. But no, Keith, you don't understand. That's not what he means right there. He's not talking about water. He's not talking about these things. Except what's fascinating is almost everyone after this, they realize, like, in fact, you have guys going, but there's water. Why shouldn't I be? I mean, the clear teaching was you were immersed in water. Right? But it becomes so tiring when we try to take our world and make it say what the Bible says rather than the opposite mm. of going, you want to know what? It, very, it may be very what that, that we are wrong and he is right in our world. Right? Entering the kingdom. So again, where are we going with this? Okay? This is like really important because when we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about Jesus going, listen, I'm announcing this good announcement of the king and the availability of his kingdom, and it's open for everyone, but then he also has his teaching, but there's an entrance into that kingdom as well. There's an entrance into that kingdom. 
And it's being born again of water and spirit. And then we get to follow historically to the very first time that you have a message to lost people. And he's saying, this is how you do it right here. All right? It isn't just a conversion experience. No, this is an entire life thing right here. Okay? Because he had established God had made this Jesus whom we crucified, Lord and Christ. Right? The assumption is that this, this time of being born again was to be born again into his kingdom under his rule. Okay? And so, again, you have that one moment there. But let's, like, continue this, this line of thinking over in Romans chapter 6, okay? Over here in Romans chapter 6, uh, we have, again, this idea of being born again, and, and, and we get a little bit of a, of a deeper understanding here. All right? Thank God for this. That, that we get to see all of this on the backside of things, okay? Like all of the Bible was written. I'm really grateful for that, okay? It's helpful for me. Romans 6, verse 1. What should we say then? Okay, so again, we're, we're picking this up in the middle here. Romans 4, Romans 5. You're talking about how, I mean, just this amazing victory over sin that there is by faith in Jesus. And, it's, and, and they have the right response, right? Is, this, is, this is amazing. Paul says, well, what should we say then? Should we continue to sin so that grace may increase? I mean, that, that makes a little bit of sense of going, if, if every time I sin, grace is greater, then I should keep sinning because I want more grace. Right? That's this is kind of line of thinking here. But then in verse 2, Paul says, absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Right? Like, like thinking about that. Like that's a pretty profound thought right there. Right? What we're not talking about is a ceremony. What we're not talking about is a conversion experience. What we're not talking about is, hey, let's put baptism on the church calendar and you just kind of do it at will. Right. He's actually, like, you look at this, no, no, no. Are you unaware? So if you've been baptized into Christ, are you aware that that baptism was into his death? Maybe that would have changed things when you were considering it. Uh, well, you, you mean I'm being baptized into his death? Well, no, that's a good thing. See, the blood of Christ is in it. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're being baptized into his death in order that. Okay. That's a great word. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in a new way of life. Right? So it's this idea of participation and going, no, I'm dying. Right? How do you get somebody into this world alive? 
we've been experiencing it here uh, with our young families for quite a while, okay? Is you enter this world through birth. Is that accurate? Okay, absolutely. It's like I remember that day distinctly, okay? He says that here's the deal is, yes, you're joined in his death, but raised to walk in a new way of life for if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection because we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we're not enslaved any longer to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Right? This, this requires us to like slow down. This can't be, here's what, here's what this can't be custom. Right? Just the church's doctrinal statement on salvation. Yeah. It just, listen, here's the deal. Is it, don't, there's no reason you don't have to put this as every password on your computer. Okay? It's like, it's like we, the point isn't how can we boil things down to like such, like to where we just become just like every other group trying to follow Jesus and go, no, but we're going to have our thing that we say is the most important thing. Except we're, what we're talking about here is the kingdom of God. We're not talking about a conversion experience that you can have a conversion experience and then go on with your life. We're talking about this is the way the kingdom of God works. This is an entire kingdom of God thing. This isn't a, oh man, your church teaches this, my church teaches this, and my church teaches this. We should all fight about that. All right. But going, hold on a minute. But what is the kingdom teaching yeah. about entering into this kingdom? Yeah. Right? Oftentimes, our greatest battles, and, and I'm just going to say this, in, in Clemson, South Carolina, are completely framed around what you believe about your conversion experience. Okay. Here's what I'll say about that. When it's devolved to that, everyone's lost our race. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's lost already. Okay? Because the, the goal oftentimes is, no, I'm going to win you over by my doctrinal statement. Yeah. And very rarely have I heard, and I, we've lived here almost 10 years, I feel like we've sat down with a lot of people, a lot of very religious people, a lot of religious leaders. Very rarely have I heard somebody go, Let's talk about what the kingdom requires. <laughs> like, I, I, that's what I want to talk about is the kingdom of God. And he's saying, well, you have to be born into it. And Acts 2 is, boy, it's pretty clear. But again, we're not, we're not just putting it on our calendar for people just to do at any time or whatever. Romans 6 talks about dying. Colossians chapter 2, go ahead. This is a smattering here. It just is. I mean, it's not, we're not going through the whole thing, but here's the, here's the really great stuff right here, okay? Colossians chapter 2. Unfortunately, we have to read this through our own lens of this world. Verse 8. 
Colossians 2, verse 8, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. Okay, we have to heed this. Okay. Be sure. Be careful. Don't be taken, taken captive. Could you imagine that it could very well be true that you could read the Bible your whole life, go to church your whole life, and have been taken captive through an empty deceit based on human tradition? I know we think nothing bad would ever happen in a church group. Okay? I say that very tongue-in-cheek. Okay? It's, it's, there's, there's a sense that we're like, no, man, if it's said in a church and I agree with it, then it must be right. Like, there's no way a preacher is going to teach the wrong thing. But that's just not accurate. It's just not true, right? Because it isn't the person who's saying it, it's the Word of God. And the Word of God is accurate. He says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Okay, if you've ever been wanting to know, like, what's the answer with this God, Jesus kind of thing here? Okay, he just answers it. The fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. Are you listening to like kingdom words here? You've been filled by him. I have been filled by him. Yeah, don't you remember? When you died and he washed you and filled you with him, don't you remember that? And, and, and he's the head over everything. Remember, do you remember he's the king of this kingdom? Do you remember that? And, and by the way, you were also circumcised in him. And you're like, like put the brakes on right there, man. Just, just put the brakes. Just pump the brakes. Right. But here's the interesting thing is, is it's fascinating because for an Israelite, they would be like, but no, this matters. Okay, and so let's say you were a Gentile hanging around, hanging around with your Israelite buddies, and they're going. Why don't, you, why don't you circumcise? What's wrong with you? Don't you know the word of God? Don't you know you're supposed to be circumcised? Don't you know all these things? And the poor Gentiles going, oh my goodness, I was just baptized into his name and I was forgiven for my sins and I was the Holy Spirit's living inside me and saying, but you have been circumcised, not done with hands by the putting off of flesh, but in the circumcision of the Messiah, having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave all of our sins, okay? And so he's like, no, actually, here's the other thing. Now you have been, the, the sinful nature has been cut off from your heart. Wow. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through faith in the working of God. And see, that's the thing. Faith, it's not, I agreed with him, so I got baptized. Faith, the times we read in Scripture, those who believe in Christ, 
Believe in him. That oftentimes that word in is put in there. It's, it's, it's put in supposedly to help us understand the sentiment. Except more times than not, it's not believe in him. It's that you believe him. Yeah. Yeah. See how different that is? Yeah, but oh, I believe in him though, so that's fine. No, but you believe him. Yeah. Like, do you believe him that you have to be born again? Do you believe him that, that repent and believe the gospel of God? Yeah. Do, do you believe him, or is it no, I believe in him and I agree with him? Those two things are not accurate to what Jesus is teaching. Right. He's saying, no, do you believe me in this? Okay. So it's this idea of we must be born again. This is going to become a very um, kind of long series of just pure information if we don't understand this. That there is an entering into the kingdom of God. That does exist, that we do read it. These are those areas here. And so this may cause a couple of you to chuckle because we did a lot of stuff on 404. Okay. And uh, I want to begin introducing this. Right. Uh, because we're, we're to this place. And what's fascinating, and we, we talked about this years ago. And essentially what we have talked about is we're going to be about what the scripture is teaching us to be about. Amen. And, and here's the interesting thing about that is have you ever done things out of the order of priority before? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like we can come up with all kinds of different things, but, but, but there are things that lead to things that lead to things. Okay. And here's the interesting thing that the scripture becomes very clear on is if we were a community and what we were going to be based on is disciple making. That's great. We're going to get to that. But a community disconnected with the gospel. With a non-discipleship gospel teaching or a or a or a follow-optional gospel that just calls us to come together on Sundays as individuals. I guess we can say we can go and make disciples and try to do that, except that's definitely not the way Jesus taught. He's not calling individuals who optionally are trying to follow him and only know a gospel of the world to go out into the world to do what he wants us to do. Okay? That, that's not what he's calling us to do. But it's very interesting because this idea of gospel, this idea of kingdom and king and the reign of the king, the availability of the kingdom, right, cannot be separated from discipleship or following him. Okay, uh, it, it can't be separated. This idea of I believe in a gospel. But following him is optional. If, if that area right there, if this, that right there is not, we aren't decisively on the same page. Right? There, there is no doing the will of God as a community. 
None. We can have all of the fun events as a community. We can talk all we want about discipleship. We can go and invite every neighbor we know. We can try to study the Bible with them. Right? Is without embracing together what Jesus is calling us to through his gospel, there is no disciple making, there is no community, and there is no following him. Okay? And so this is what we're beginning to like start building on here, okay? And so um, so I, I like to write things out that I can read through to get an idea of what is the scripture articulating, okay? So this is Keith's probably not great grammatical like paragraph on this so far. The king reigns. Repent. Be born again as his apprentice, taught and transformed to do the good works he does. Be sure to do it in a local community of kingdom people who know you and are known by you. Okay, this could sting, okay, because here's what I've learned, is our level of trust is inversely proportional to the miles they are away from us. Meaning, I really trust the teachings of people that will never see how I live. Okay? I really trust my friends who do not see me living every day of my life. I trust those people more, and we tend to trust people less who are watching and around us and living and know us. Okay, this is so vital because it's the, it's the definition of I'll be here, but I will not have my heart here. Be sure to do it in a local community of kingdom people who know me and you. The good and the bad and the ugly and the challenges and all of those things. Because I guarantee you, I can call, I have a number of friends that are disciples in the kingdom of God. And I can call them, and I do, and I share things, and we have a great relationship. Except, oftentimes, I can share things with them. Right? I'll, I'll, take, I'll take my friend Ronnie up in Greenville, okay? I can talk to Ronnie. We go have coffee. I share. Ronnie is so compassionate for me. It's awesome. I love it. But Ronnie's like, listen, dude, you got to understand something. I love you. God loves you. I can be, you know, just sharing with him some hard times, okay? And he's there. Boom. That's awesome. And then Steve sees me all the time. And I can share the same thing as Steve could go, Keith, I know kind of how you work, man. Right? Like, like, let me interject something here as another spirit-filled brother that other people may not see if they're not around you. Right. Okay, this is where churches break down. Because they're like, listen, I don't trust y'all in here. You, you guys, man, I don't even know. It's, it's my church, oh, man, I, we got a reason why no one's trustworthy. But then we'll go listen to someone we don't even know. Or they don't even know. They don't know what I'm doing. I'm just telling them part of the story. <laughs> you know? You hear half, listen, here's the deal. If you hear half of Keith's side of the story, trust me, there's another side of that story. Alright? And I understand we all are so much more righteous than that in our own minds. 
but it just isn't accurate, okay? Is this is one of the things about this core four is uh, here's is that we uh, we know people and are known by this community. This kingdom community will represent the king to our neighborhoods, families, coworkers, classmates, and all others to win people to him. And, and I know it would be great if we could do this just individualistically. It would solve probably a lot of our trouble. It just would, except when Jesus said that I am the body of Christ. Right? That he meant that, listen, there's weak time, weak and strong. And, and, and if you think that you've entered the realm of, well, I'm the strong, and then I don't know who the weak are, but I guess they can be included as well. Okay? The idea of weak and strong, listen, is very fluid. <laughs> it's very fluid. If today you are a part of the body of Christ in strength, hey, awesome. That's great. Amen to that. It might not be the same next week. All right, we all don't get to go, but I'm going to be the strongest one. No, it's, it's fluid, man. I mean, there's times I'm weak and strong and this and that, you as well, okay? But it's this idea as we're looking at this. It isn't how many people we can invite to church. It isn't how many people can I get to believe in the doctrine of the cleansing of the church. It isn't any of those things. It's like, no, we're talking about the kingdom of God and the way the kingdom of God works. And what's amazing about that is all of like the, the crazy things that happen in our world in his kingdom happen really when a bunch of people go, I don't know, I don't feel super good about all this kind of stuff, but he's right and I'm wrong and I'm, I'm getting in on that. All right? As apprentices. And that, that's what's important. Am I entering into this as an apprentice? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.